0: Hey everybody, I'm Anna McEwan. And now for Bob Switzer with the Epic Narrative. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Epic Narrative. Uh, Bob was just like you—you you ended last episode like he goes—he—he he thought when we were done with that last, last episode, he was like, "Dang, you—you you could have been a professional." <laughs> a cliffhanger. What will happen tomorrow? Next week on? Yeah, that was a good one. Every, every once in a while, I nail it. <laughs> oh man, I do appreciate those of you that are listening. As always, I do know that uh, it takes it takes a lot of a commi- commitment to listen to the epic narrative. We'd mentioned it last episode. Um. It's it's a unique platform, a unique podcast. It's it's uh, uh you know, my heart wants it to catch on. I'd love for hundreds of thousands, millions to listen to it. I I just think the need to at least consider the goodness of God in the Old Testament is vital. It's vital. And I think it's vital on so many levels, which is why I'm I'm passionate about this. It's one of my It's I've been in ministry well, currently at the time of this recording, I'm an unemployed pastor who can't find a job in ministry for multiple reasons, one of which is my belief in the goodness of God and others are because I'm, by, by most standards, church standards, I'm too old and I didn't go to seminary and I didn't work for any denomination along the way. I kept working for independent churches or independent ministries or independent uh, conference centers or whatever. So, all the strikes are against me when it comes to working at churches, but be that as it may, I'm not worried about it. God's amazing, and I do believe he's good, which is why I'm doing this podcast. I just think he's that good. I think he's always been good all through time, not just all the time, all through time. And I think it's a vital message. I really do, at least for people to consider and have the option to believe, because most people have never been given the option to believe that God was good. They've been, they've been told that even though he looks really, really bad, he's still good. And if you don't believe it, you're denying the character of God. So get right, or Jesus is going to crush you. God's going to come down and crush you like he did Pharaoh. Don't you harden your heart. You come forward, give your life to Jesus right now. You come forward right now, rededicate your life to God. Before he cried, you could leave today right now, walk across that street and be struck by a car and die right now. Would you go to heaven? Would you go to heaven? You could drive home today and tomorrow morning wake up with a CO2 leak in your house and you're just dead. You wake up dead. Where are you gonna wake up? Where are you gonna wake up? Don't you harden your heart again? All right, sorry. I get <laughs> I get flashbacks to my old preaching. I do, I do. I think I could have been an amazing TikTok star. If uh if I had if I had gone to a denominational school and had learned, I think a denominate I I I think I would have been pretty passionate and pretty entertaining at the same time. I do I, uh and 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 uh, that's enough about me. All right, verse seven. Bob's like, really, we're gonna go down the what if stories. <laughs> and, no, that's for me and my personal time, Bob. Thank you for the reminder. On with the program, verse 7 of chapter 10. Pharaoh's officials said to him, How long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so they can worship the Lord their God. Do you not yet realize that Egypt is ruined or ruined? Some people can't say the ED. Whoa, I just nailed the microphone. Sorry about that. I'm sure that was quite interesting to listen to in your headphones. You ever hear that ruined? Everything was ruined. And I think wait there was no there's no T in that word. Where where did you get the T? I'm pretty sure it it doesn't end in a T. No, it it doesn't. It ends in a D. Then why do you say a T? I didn't. You did. You just said ruined and the word is ruined. Anyways, it is funny to hear the the uh uh, the the points of emphasis in various parts of the country my wife and now my wife and I have traveled at the time of this recording 30,000 miles together in less than a year and we have heard many many um, shall we say english <laughs> english dialects <laughs> around the country and honestly they're all fun i love them all our country is pretty amazing and breathtakingly beautiful like <laughs> it's funny. I'm, I think I was in the bad, there's badlands in South Dakota, and there's um badlands in I think it was in Arizona. Uh, anyways, they're they're, they're uh, just you're walking around feeling like you're on the moon, and then you realize, wait, I am like I'm on a planet in space. <laughs> This is what being on another planet would feel like, but it's actually my planet because it is a planet and we're in space and it's bizarre. Oh man, is it bizarre and beautiful? Oh my goodness. Is it beautiful? Pharaoh's. Oh, so Pharaoh's official said that verse eight, then Moses said to Aaron, Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. Go worship the Lord, your God. But tell me who will be going. And Moses said, we will go with our young and our old and our sons and our daughters and our flocks and our herds because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. And Pharaoh said, the Lord be with you if I let you go. (laughs) ha ha I love that, right? Along with your women and children, clearly you are bent on evil. No. Have only the men go and worship the Lord since that is what you've been asking for. And Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence oh man so this all takes place right right at, uh at last episode like what will happen well this is what happened uh in verse in verse 6 they they finish warning Mo, uh, Pharaoh as to all that's gonna happen and then Moses turns and they leave Pharaoh they leave him and his officials and the officials. Now the officials are not religious leaders they're not magicians they're not sorcerers they're not wise men who who are in essence are like astronomers and astrologers they they these are officials the officials uh officials are other people right now religiously. Uh, the magicians, the sorcerers, the wise men—they've been trying to explain to the officials and to Pharaoh why the idols have turned against them, and they have all their own reasons. And some of them may be because we're being too nice to the, you know, to the Hebrews. The magicians—they've been, they've been trying to figure out how they're not able to manipulate matter in the same way that the Hebrews' God can. How can Moses? Keep figuring this out. I'm sure they're probably blaming it on his time in Midian, that there was some sort of, uh, you know, uh, the, the, yeah, they probably had heard, Bob's like, the burning bush, yes. They probably heard about the burning bush and thought, there's an oracle that he found in the mountains uh, out, you know, while he was in Midian, and the oracle gave him keys to the frequencies of matter that we don't have, and that's why he's winning, but other than that, it's really not a big deal. We just need to find that oracle, uh, you know. If if we can find that oracle, we will have the same power. Like I have no doubt. Like, is it really that big of a stretch of in the imagination that that's that there haven't been already a, a, a contingent of of magicians and sorcerers that went out with a group of people trying to find this burning bush? I, I like to me that's that. They probably did that right after they weren't able to recreate the the lice or the gnats or the bugs or the whatever it was that they couldn't recreate. They were like, all right, he has more where did he get more power than us? The only thing they could attribute it to, because he clearly had the education they had, he had the 40 years of experience in their nation that he that they had. They thought maybe we learned a few things, but no, this is this is way too intense. You can't tell me they didn't send out a dispatch, a bunch of uh, scouts to try and find this, quote, Oracle of the burning bush. I'm sure it happened. There's people that still try to find where the burning bush is. There are literal people who will, who you can pay to show you where the burning bush (laughs) is. I swear to you, it's insane. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's already happened. So the magicians are trying to say we're not irrelevant. We're just we're just not as educated, and but we're gonna get there. We're gonna figure it out. But the officials, the officials will be the ones in Pharaoh's court. They are the gatekeepers. They are the taskmasters. They are the wealthy merchants, or these representations of them. They are ambassadors who have trade deals and a and a you know. Uh, both financial and security de- uh, security uh, contracts or covenants <clears throat> with the Egyptians, they see the devastation that has happened to this country. They know they are on the brink of n- of no return. They know this. They look at the practical things like like <laughs> it's all fun and games. Until, until it gets too painful. And now now it's painful. The pocketbooks of even the wealthy are being impacted. The, uh, the ability to get work done is getting ir- irretrievable. Taskmasters say it doesn't matter how much we beat them. All of the grass has been, has been destroyed by the hailstorm we can't make brick it doesn't you can tell them to go get the straw it doesn't exist and what we're building what bricks we can build are they're not strong enough to hold anything up they're going to fall apart or the wind is going to devastate them like we we can't do what you're asking us to do anymore we can't pretend that we're strong enough to handle this anymore Maybe maybe they use the word recession. No, like you can deny the recession up until now, but now we are in a recession or maybe a depression. And if we don't stop this madness, Pharaoh, we will not be able to recover. This nation will be crushed. The only thing we have that we can still claim any sort of superiority on is the army. That's it. And when word starts to spread around to the other nations, and these are ambassadors from other nations, if my people find out that you don't have grain, that you don't have corn, that you don't have livestock, that you don't have uh, uh, even half the servants you did before, no, like... No, we're gonna have to go elsewhere. We're gonna have to make trade agreements elsewhere. Like this is this is one of those come to Jesus. Uh, no, they wouldn't have a come to Jesus movement, would they? This is one of those serious conversations the officials are having. They're like, well, "It was fun. We can let you do your thing, but now, now we're talking real life here. We can see it. Like go for a walk, Pharaoh, or at least go to your rooftop. Look out over your nation, where you used to be able to look down the green valleys." It's crushed. And if the locusts show up tomorrow and all that green is gone, forget it. You're not coming back from that. Not for a long time. There are also, these officials are the ones that would have been hearing the voices of the everyday uh, Egyptians. Not, I mean, other wealthy ones, yes. People of influence, yes. Not international merchants, but local ones. They also would have heard the everyday merchant on the in the marketplace. These are they're, they're they're done. they don't care if Pharaoh looks like a fool. they don't care that his ego might be hurt. They're like let the people go. they want three days in the desert let them go We don't want we don't we don't want anymore we don't care about our national pride enough to sit here and say woohoo we took on a god and won. we took on a god we got our butts kicked. It's okay. He's a big God. Maybe we should talk to him. Maybe we should make some sort of arrangement with the Hebrew. Maybe we've been playing the powerful dictator boy just a little too long. So that's the sort of thing that they're hearing, and they're bringing it to Pharaoh. They've heard what Moses just said. Once again, Moses is exposing the plan of the enemy. He's saying locusts are coming tomorrow if something doesn't happen. So, they're they're talking to him. I'm sure their re their their reason was like, listen. Three days. Give them three days. This is over. We can recover. They can be gone for three days. We can clean up some of this mess. When they get back, we'll put them to work. We can recover. Now, now you could. Uh, how long will this man be a snare to us? Or the word snare is a lure. They're like, how long are are we going to let bad things happen to us because of Moses and Aaron? Like, how long are you going to let this guy change? Like, they're looking at Moses saying, ever since this guy arrived, life has been rough. Let the guy go with his people. Let him go. I wouldn't kill him because... Literally, we have no idea what that would happen. What, like, I'm sure that was floated. Maybe we should kill him. No. No, you see what kind of trouble this happens happens to us when he is alive. Can you imagine if we kill them? What his God would do? Because they they seriously think. They seriously think that his God is doing like they. They're like, no, we cannot risk. We cannot risk retribution from that God. There, our gods are already been proven over and over and over again that they can't match the power of his God you don't want to wipe him out let's just let him go Like I'm sure the debate was very lively I've seen Middle Eastern debates I have a feeling that there was a lot of shouting and a lot of hand gestures and a lot of name calling and ultimately Moses and Aaron are called back in That's that had to be pretty awesome verse 8 right Moses and Aaron are called back to Pharaoh. They're not, I don't, I don't know if they, they probably just went to the, to the gate where they normally sit as ambassadors or representations, represent, representatives, representations, Robert. What are you thinking? As representatives of the Hebrew nation. And then they get a message, like a messenger runs up and says, uh, the Pharaoh would like to see you. Moses and Aaron probably looked at each other and thought, oh, this is awesome. This is the first time. That he's, you know, that we've given a warning and we haven't had to go through with it. This is, this is awesome. So they went. And I imagine they were, they were pretty excited. They might've even been smiling. Now, do you, do I think they were arrogant and were like, blah, blah, blah. like, we are greater than you, Pharaoh. Our God will crush you, Pharaoh. I I don't think so. But I do know that there are preachers who like to present them that way. And that's fine. It's your story, your imagination. If you think that they're more arrogant and prideful than than Pharaoh, fine. I don't think it fits the character of God, and I don't think they represent the character of God if they behave that way. But it's only me and my little podcast, and I can be wrong. So Pharaoh says, go worship the Lord your God. But uh, remind me again, who's going? And I have a gut feeling that when he asked that question, remind me who's going, I have a gut feeling the officials were like, no. Because I think at first the officials were like, yes, he's going through with this. Finally, finally something sensible. Like a a typical politician, he threw it out, and then he kind of pulls it back. Like, yes, we're going to... Solve world hunger, <laughs> but first of all, we're gonna we're gonna narrow the field just a little bit, right? We're gonna we're gonna throw in some some caveats because we don't want to look like we gave all authority to somebody else. We have to look like we have some semblance of authority because we're in charge, right? That's the way a politician politician thinks. They don't they don't they they just say it's says uh, stop. Yes, I will stop. Yes. So I think Pharaoh's the same way. It's like, okay, fine, I'll let them go. And then he's like, wait. While he's having to make this decision, while Moses and Aaron are walking down the hallways and courtyards to get to him, he's thinking, now it's going to look like the officials tell me what to go do. Now it's going to like everybody's going to think that I'm some sort of political a puppet. I can't just let them go. It's worse than being a puppet of the of of uh, you know of Moses and doing what Moses asks. Now they're going to think that I'm a puppet of Moses and the and the. No, I need to. I need some level of control. So that's what he offers, right? Who's who's uh? What's what's going on here? Now Moses and Aaron called back. Uh, but again. They're working with their leaders. Uh, everyone is seeing the protection of God over over his people. Everyone knows this, but they don't know what it means, right? They just know that the Hebrews are protected. Um, can we just be done with this so that we can go back to being normal? The officials want to go back to being normal and really I think a lot of, as we've mentioned before I think the Hebrews all want to go back to being quote normal to the way it used to be before Pharaoh's quote forgot Joseph which just means they started to override all of his policies regarding his people they just want to go back there I don't I still don't think the Hebrews are even or Moses well Moses and Aaron know that they that they ultimately need to go back to the promised land but like when and how long will it would take i don't think moses is thinking i'm asking for 3 days off because ultimately we're all going to run like madmen to the promised land cuz he knows he's he, he can't outrun the military of egypt with a million people you just can't or 2 million some say 4 million like you can't outrun them you everyone will die so i don't think that that moses is thinking haha god's telling a great lie like that's another whole character issue with god right if you think the whole time that god's like i'm tricking i'm just going to ask for 3 days but if he gives me 3 days we're all going to run that's that's like another just theological gymnastics that people play it's it's ridiculous to try and tie deception into the character of god and say well he's righteous he's holy he can do what he wants Sorry if I sounded like I was mocking theologians. But I was! But I'm sorry if that offended you. Uh. So everyone's in their own way. You know, while Moses and Aaron are, are walking back and Pharaoh's about to talk to them. They're all trying to make sense of it all. What is God doing? And after three days, then what? If Pharaoh says we can go back, like as they're walking, I'm sure Aaron and Moses are like, "What? What if he said yes? What? What if we actually do leave? What are we gonna do?" And Aaron's probably like, "Well, I'll talk to the uh, elders, and we'll get all the heads of the household together, and you know, we'll tell the people to pack up for the desert, and we'll head out into the desert." Yeah, well, how long do you think that'll take? Well, it's probably gonna take, um, I would imagine, at least a day, maybe two, to get everybody on board, and then, and then we got to make arrangements for all of the animals and plants that we're leaving behind and and so we might need to uh you know that that may yeah is logistically logistically we're probably talking a couple days before we can go so all right so if he tells us we can go then i should tell him we'll leave in three days right three days should be enough and if we leave in three days then we can go and and everybody be ready right yeah yeah i think well three days be more than enough maybe two two i think we could do it i mean if he pushes back you know tell him we'll do it in two days and then really we'll only be gone for about a week and then you know, and then we'll be back. And the other elders are pushing. You know, maybe maybe they're maybe some of them are walking with them for a little ways. You know, are, we, are are they are they even hoping at this point for absolute freedom? Are they really in a place where they're walking up uh, to see Pharaoh, and they're thinking, "Wow, we we're." If we leave for three days, we're never coming back. Like, that'll be crazy. I I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, um, well, well, maybe we'll slowly migrate. Maybe, like, we'll leave in waves. Certain groups will go first, uh, create, you know, a spot, find a spot for us to go, then send back, and we'll just kind of migrate like most immigrants would. Will migrate by the thousands every day, but it'll still take us, you know, a year or two to actually leave if we're actually allowed to leave. I mean, how does all that work? And when will it work? And, and does it start after three days of worship? Or does it start next? Like, there's so many questions when Pharaoh says, or when they get the message... Hey, go talk to Pharaoh. Like there's so many things that I'm sure are whirling in their minds because he's like, this is unique. They've always requested meetings with Pharaoh. Now they're getting called into Pharaoh after they said tomorrow this will happen. And now an hour later, two hours later, Pharaoh wants to see you guys oh my goodness Aaron what do you think well I don't know what, do, what what if he says what if he says this what if he well yeah well no this is what we'll do this is definitely what we'll do we'll talk to so-and-so. And so and they they're, they're laying out all the possibilities. at least if they're anything like me they're laying out all the possibilities and they're if they're anything like me they're incredibly optimistic about their odds like I honestly ridiculously optimistic. Uh, I am ridiculously, I will say yes to something so fast because I I, I just always believe it'll work out. It'll work out. And um, generally, I'm right, but it doesn't always work out that smoothly as I thought it would. And sometimes it involves a, you know, a few compromises and surprises, but ultimately, uh, kind of, I could say it worked out. <laughs> Oh, so Pharaoh calls and he basically says, go, but who's going now? He knows this probably hasn't changed from the previous meetings that they've had, but he wants to know. And I, like I said, I think the officials hear him say, you can go worship the Lord, your God. And then as soon as he says, but, I see the officials hanging their head or some of them turning slightly on their staff or some of them looking at each other and just like, oh, like the arrogance, the pride, the pride of Pharaoh comes out again. And they're like, no, 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 don't ruin this. Don't ruin this. We cannot handle another plague. We are on the brink of destruction but what does he do? He says, "But tell me again who's going." Moses basically says, "Everyone and everything we own, all anything that can walk is coming with us. We're going to celebrate a festival." I love that. Because all up until this point right, everything's been translated worship, worship, worship. <laughs> <laughs> and Moses makes it more clear. We are going to celebrate. We are going to have a party like no other. We are going to kill animals and eat lamb and beef and goat and and whatever we want. We're going to drink wine. We're going to drink milk. We're going to have bread and dates and and cupcakes and like you're, This is going to be a party like no other. We are going to be sick to our stomachs. We're going to throw up and we're going to party some more. Like that to me literally is the atmosphere of heaven. Bob, we will not be drunk. You and I can talk about that later. It is a party. Moses is like, we're going to go. We're taking everything with us because everything's on the table. Literally. Worship is a celebration. Worship is designed for all out sacrifice of the opportunity to be together, to build relationship with our God and with each other. We have been slaves for so long and we need a place where we can really let loose. I don't know. You know, this is this is like the ultimate Friday night party after a week long of 20 hour days. Like you can't you like you mm, none of us have experienced what would what, what this party would have been like the opportunity to let loose after being a slave of living in fear of constantly hoarding things to try and survive of just trying to make your master happy long enough so that you don't get beat of going back the next day and doing the same thing of uh, believing that if I don't behave correctly, I'm going to lose my house, I'll lose my wife, I'll lose my virginity, like whatever. Like there's there's always this fear. And then to be three days away from Egypt and being told we're going to celebrate. Like I cannot imagine, quote, the the steam popping off the top of this. It would have been insane party. And that's what he says. We're taking everything. And what does he say? He's a uh, Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh's like, mm, mm, uh, well, listen, the Lord be with you. But <laughs> if you take everyone, you will run away. Now, listen, they got nowhere to go. They have no resources. They don't have allies. They don't have trade partners. They don't have contracts. They don't have covenants. They have no land. They have no money. So it really is a silly, it's really a paranoid accusation that comes from a prideful, fearful, controlling heart that only comes from somebody who is completely insecure in themselves. This, this accusation makes no sense to anyone except Pharaoh, because the only time this kind of stuff makes sense is if you're living in this kind of world, and that's where he lives. Pride, arrogance, fear, control, protection, self-preservation. He's more of a slave and more in bondage than anyone is in the, in, in, in the Hebrew world. But he is, he is tied into it. And his officials know it. And I'm sure they listen to this and they're looking at him going, no, 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 Pharaoh. I'll tell you what. He says, I'll let only the men go. Have only the men go and worship the Lord since that's all you've been asking for. In other words, don't celebrate. Just go do a mantra. Only with the men. And then he, then he literally drives Moses and Aaron out of the out like he he won't he won't wait for their response. He just he just internally he just explodes with arrogance. It, it, like he has this opportunity once again for humility, for connection, an opportunity to be convicted and interact with heaven and he decides no. No, I'm sure the idea of celebration was so putrid in his mouth that these slave nation that have no land and no money and no connections would dare go out and celebrate their God because in his mind, if it wasn't for Pharaoh, they would have nothing. How can they give God credit for everything that Pharaoh has provided And he barely provides enough for them to live. And yet somehow they bypass Pharaoh and give God credit. He's like, no, no, take only the men and that's it. And he kicks them out. He refuses to even talk to them. Now the officials had to be very disappointed. And maybe some of them, you know, rolled their eyes. And if any of them were like me, they would have said, well, that went well. Fabulous. Uh, probably should bring all the plants inside because I have a feeling that we're going to be covered in locusts tomorrow. And that's what happened, right? And Moses said to Pharaoh, stretch out your hand over Egypt that the locusts will swarm, and he did. And the east wind blew and across the land all that day and all that night. By morning, the wind had brought the locusts. They invaded all of Egypt every area in the country in that great numbers never before had seen and and by great numbers it 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 doesn't it just means everywhere where there was green it was it was covered they they ate the ground that was green had turned black with, with the color of the locusts they devoured all that was left after the hail everything growing in the fields all the fruit on the trees nothing green remained on the tree or plant in the in Egypt it got as bad as they as God had predicted, and you say, "Well, He had him hold out His His staff." Yeah, I I think it'll, in in for me, what Moses was signifying was the protection that God has been giving you because of His goodness and His grace. He's going to lift to let you see once again what the heart of your enemy is. What those the thing that you worship that you think has power, I'm just going to reveal to you for a moment, what, what that thing is actually after. It devastates. I mean, you know, locusts are devastating to a desert culture. So what does he do? He Pharaoh calls him back. He humbly asks forgiveness. Now forgive my sin once more and pray the Lord you'll take this deadly plague from me. His heart, remember, was burdened. His heart was overwhelmed. It was grieved over all the things that he had learned about himself and about all those around him and about the things that he worshipped and the lies that he believed. His heart was burdened. And he gives into to that burden and he releases a humility and he says, please forgive me. Pray that the locusts go away. And Moses does and they do and then he because of the burden not because of God's pressure but because of that burden the exposure the the grief that he feels he says i'm going no i'm going back and he gives into the pressure of his old mindset again and he goes back on his word again and because he refused to see Moses and Aaron the next plague The next round of darkness shows up without warning. It says, stretch out your hands toward the sky so that darkness may spread over Egypt, darkness that can be felt. This is a supernatural darkness. Now, a lack of sun would be very personal to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt because Pharaoh, he believed himself to be the representation of the God of the sun on earth. This is is his personal God. And this is supernatural. It could be felt, total darkness for 3 days. No one could see. They couldn't see anyone else. They couldn't move for 3 days, yet all of Israel had light in the places where they lived. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, "Go worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you." Which is which is fabulous, right? He's like, "All right. Like this is this is scary." Like I can't see. Like this is—it's almost like blindness, but not—but not really. I—I'm guessing if you've ever been in a in a cave, one of those you know, uh, tourist things where they shut off a light in an area of a cave, and you are in pitch blackness. It is incredibly unsettling. It doesn't matter that you even know where you are. It just—it's just unsettling that you can't see where you are, and you know. There has to be a way out, but you're not sure which way. Like you're, it's so disorienting, and it says that they can feel it. So again, this is this is the enemy. This is the enemy bringing his presence into the into the nation of of Egypt. That theoretically thought they were worshiping a god of light, and they weren't. They were worshiping a god of, of darkness. And for three days, there was no work. No one could move. The Hebrews stayed home. There was light in their area. Now, some think it was it was kind of like, a, you know, they they were like under a beam of light, and Egypt could see the beam of light but couldn't actually draw any light from it. Some believe that it was in this area they could use candles and lanterns and and torches and and the supernatural darkness, although it blocked out the sun. It wasn't something that the Hebrews felt. It was something that they might have experienced like nighttime, but it wasn't a supernatural darkness. So they were able to uh, have lights in their area. Either way, it was miraculous. So Moses calls Pharaoh back, and evidently Moses could see and move in this darkness, and he And he gets there, and he says, all right, fine, you can go, but I, I just asked for this one compromise. Please leave your flocks and herds behind. Why is he asking that? He's like, you basically these this is your long term food supply. please leave that. like you can take with you three days worth of bread and grain and and that sort of thing, but don't take the long-term food supply. Don't take the the part that you can now breed and feed and herd and you know have for the next 10 years out in the wilderness. I can't have you running away. And Moses said, no, our livestock has to go. You must allow us to sacrifice and burn offerings to, pres- to the presence of our Lord. Not a hoof will be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshiping the Lord our God. And until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. So he explains, listen, this is not a matter of food supply for us. This is a matter of worship. We don't know what the Lord's going to require of us. We don't know how many things the Lord's going to require of us. Like at this point, there is no sacrificial system that they're that they're drawing on. They just know that they want to sacrifice to the Lord, and they're going to ask him about it when they get out there. They're like, we got to take it all. He might ask us to sacrifice all the cows. Well, we can't come back here and get them if we left them here. We need to take them all. And I think Pharaoh understands that. He gets it, but he can't give into it because it will look like he's letting them all run away. After, after the devastation of the locusts, the only people with livestock are the Hebrews. The only people that have a source of, of food supply for the nation of Egypt are the slaves of Egypt and he's saying I can't let you take the food supply that's the only way my nation makes it this is not only a power play this is a this is a legitimate logistical nightmare right now if all the food chain leaves to go worship their god so he's he's not willing he's like I can't let you go I can't Right, Pharaoh's invitation is trust our God. He was able to protect us. He'll protect you. And Pharaoh's like, no, no, can't do it. Can't do it. You need to go. Get out of my sight. Never appear to me again. The day you see my face, you will die. And Moses says, all right. I will never appear to you again. Wow, that had to be like I, it's. It had it was powerful for what Pharaoh said. That you know disappear from me, and never you'll never see me again. In other words, you can never even request to leave for three days. I will never entertain your request again. And Moses says, "Okay, I will never appear to you again." And I think Pharaoh was like, "Yeah, wait, ooh, what did I just do, right?" Because he thought he won, and then he realized, wait a minute. Now there's going to be plagues that I don't even know is coming. Just like the darkness. Maybe that was a bad move. But he couldn't go back on it. He was tired of being made a fool of by his own beliefs and his own idols. And he blames Moses, which is why he refuses to see him again. He blames Moses, as most people in a victim mentality, arrogant, prideful world do. They they're never the fault. They never can offend anyone. They can never admit that they were wrong. Just they will admit that you didn't understand them. But that's clearly a you problem, not a them problem. They'll even spend hours explaining to you how you misunderstood them, but it's still a you problem, not a them problem. This is how they operate. And so it continues. And Moses leaves. And will he ever see Pharaoh again? Well, maybe we'll find out next time on The Epic Narrative. Don't go anywhere. We've got Bob plots. I it's like it's like uh that last scene, right is just it's that perfect like be careful, you know what you wish for or think before you speak. I think that you know, Pharaoh really wanted an end to this trial. He wanted an end. He didn't want he he I I mean he had to be so pressured on so many sides, honestly, the more that i studied this and looked in and just understood the culture of both sides of the story and and the political as well as the political side the the emotional the personal the um, the family side like there's so many ways that he just wanted it to end he's like fine get out you'll never see my face face again and and moses is like all right you're right i'm tired of this too like moses also had to be tired of this He's like, you're not listening, none of this is happening, like he hasn't changed his request. It's not like he keeps coming in and saying, listen, all right, last time it was three days, now we want two weeks. You're going to keep yanking me around. like, and And at some level, he's also n- not threatening that they wouldn't come back, that they wouldn't go to work, like these people are still working every day. Well, currently, probably not because of the plagues that have been going on and the whole country is kind of shut down. But- I don't, I don't know, there's just a lot going on here. And unfortunately, I think so many people have downplayed it in the interest of, you know, the amount of time they have to give a sermon or the manipulation of the opportunity to be like, don't mess with God or he'll send you the plague type of thing. We just, we miss, we miss the complication. We miss the opportunity to, well, honestly, to tell the story. Because because so many are so bent on, on just the word. And, well, we've dealt with that before. But, you know, there's more to it than just the words on that page. If that's all you got and that's all you're willing to do, you'll still get tons. You'll still get plenty. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying there's more. It kind of reminds me of God. There's always more. He's so good, and yet there's always more. He's so loving, and yet there's always more. Uh, He's so full of joy, and yet there's always more. Like, he's just more all the time. Uh, One of the things I've forgotten to bring up for a couple weeks, actually for a long time, uh, I just wanted to, to throw that out to you guys, is this. If you're on social media, and I know a lot of my listeners are not, but if you are, would you mind uh, just telling people that you listen to uh, the Epic Narrative podcast? If you would like us, you know, a um, a graphic, um, yeah, take one from my page. I mean, good grief, scroll down. There's a few of them that just say, "Listen to the Epic Narrative podcast." Um, if you want one sent to you, reach out to me on Messenger or text message. Those of you who have my phone number, uh, email me. Uh, you know, there's there's lots of ways. But I will, you know, I'll send it to you if you if you give it to me. But if you can just let people know, hey, listen, I I, I would love to see our audience expand. I think the goodness of God is something that uh, needs to expand. <laughs> And I'm pretty passionate about it, as you can tell. So I'm going to uh, just ask you guys to do that for me. That would be awesome. I know a lot of you have already given and encouraged uh, me in that way. So please feel free to continue to do that on the link provided in the uh, description, as well as my Facebook page, my Instagram page, which is under Dad Switzer. Um, yeah. You guys have been awesome. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to continuing next week on The Epic Narrative. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. You can also reach out to Bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com. See you next week, guys.